right, Gospel Quest, are you ready? Yeah. Uh, sit back down. Sit back down. Sit back down. Is my mic working? Okay. All right, we're going to try it again. No, 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 no. Sit down, sit down, sit down. Sit, sit, sit. You got to show me you can do this right. Gospel Quest, are you ready? Well, thanks to some help from Duran, I'm going to let that go. On three, three, two, one, let's go. Cheer them on, guys. And, and, and one for Duran, too. There we go. If you are, uh, if you're visiting with us, we, uh, we like to cheer our kids on as they go to class um, because we need them to understand, amen, we, we understand, but we need them to understand that it's important because the foundations of the Word of God that they receive up there will turn into spiritual foundations that they can use for a lifetime. Amen. The stories of, of Noah uh, and of Moses and Elijah and Esther and, and others uh, that help them gain an understanding of not only how God works in us, but how God works overall. It develops a faith and it develops a sense of desire to be that kind of person. Amen. And um, so I think it's important that we cheer them on. For that, it's okay that we cheer them on in, in life and other things, but I think we need to cheer them on for Jesus, right? And, uh, and they do get excited because it's a race, if you haven't noticed, right? It's a race to see who gets up there first. It's not, it, and, and we want them to, to be excited about that. So we're in John chapter 11, and uh, we're glad to have Adelie's parents with us today, and uh, glad they're in the house uh, with us. Glad for everyone. Uh, watching online and, and all of you um, that are there. I just want to say a, a special thanks, and I, I thanked them and hugged them, except maybe Bethany, who, who got away before I saw her leave last night. But uh, <coughs> from all of the sanding of the drywall, this place was a horrible mess last night. And if you look really close, it's not perfect this morning, but there were a bunch of people here last night that worked really hard and made it what you see today for us to be able to have service. So um, we appreciate that. And, and I'll just add on top of that, Beast Mode Sandy in the rain, we needed this whole place um, last night too. So give him, give him a pat on the back as well. And yeah, clap, clap. So because I'm going to be honest with you, we, we were caught in that downpour coming back from the Bigfoot Festival People online are like, your pastor goes to the Bigfoot Festival? I'm not even going to explain. And um, so we were on our way back uh, last night and got caught in that horrible downpour. And um, so we were a little late getting here. And so when we walked in, I kind of looked in and I read the countenance on each person's face. And it was kind of like, oh, it's not going to be easy getting to service tomorrow morning. Amen. But we're thankful that God made a way. He always does. Thankful for those who came out and, and joined us. Uh, and thankful that we are here this morning. And we've been, we've been studying, and Chris alluded to it in his message, 
Um, we've been studying this series, and, and I kind of joked with John during the podcast on Friday. I don't even know why we call, called it a series, because it, it's going to be an all-year thing, I'm pretty sure at this point. But, but back on, on the first Sunday of January, we presented Acts chapter 2 to you, and not just, not just the upper room, not just Pentecost, not just the preaching of Peter and all of those things, but the place in the moment where we're promised, you and I are promised all of the power and all of the works of Jesus Christ in this life, right? It's scriptural, right? I'm, this isn't the pastor standing up here trying to convince you of something so you'll want to come up and you'll want to give and all of this. It's scriptural that those things are promised to us. The problem has been for all of our lifetime, all of my lifetime at least, and I'm 54 years old, all of our lives we have been told, just do this and Jesus will love you. You know, just live this way and you'll make it to heaven. And we have in large ways, and I'm not discounting any of that because some of those things are important, some of those things we need for our life, but the context of spirituality isn't a dot the I and, and cross the T type of thing, right? Morals don't get us to heaven. Morals don't get us spiritual power. What gets us spiritual power is copying or aligning ourselves with the Spirit of God in our life. Amen? And knowing, knowing that God will move on what we're asking him to move or what we are led into because we know we are in alignment. Amen? You can't, you can't call down fire from heaven because you want to. You can't call down fire from heaven because it seems like the right thing in a moment. You call down fire from heaven because you are aligned with God and the fire of his Holy Spirit is resting. Nothing within you. The power of his Holy Spirit is resting on you, enabling you to be able to call down Fire and hope and promise and deliverance and the things that you're dealing with and others might be dealing with in this life. So for us to get there, we got to get to Jesus. And you've heard me say this multiple times, and you're probably going to continue to hear me say this multiple times because I'm going to be honest with you. I, I want this time to be an upper room time for us where we are peel, peeling off the layers and stepping into the purity and the power of God. Yes. Amen? Because I don't think we're there. And this isn't, this isn't a dump on, on you guys. I don't think we're there as a church, as a, as a whole church, not just the pulse, but as a whole church. I don't think we're there. Why? Because we've lived by morals too long. We've lived by, by a, a dot I and cross T theology too long. Amen? And nobody along the way has said, it's got to be Jesus. Amen? Jesus and, and, and the cross and Calvary and the blood that was shed and the crown of thorns and the spear in the side and, and the nails in the feet and the nails in the hand are what brings us salvation. Amen? And we can't take that. 
away because we have to have the cross and we have to have the spotless shed blood of Jesus Christ applied to our sins to be forgiven. But once we're forgiven, if we want power, it comes by aligning ourselves with his life. And the religious leaders of the day lost their minds because Jesus was presenting something to them that took their power away. He was presenting something to them that took morals out of the equation. He was presenting something to them that says pretty much, you've messed this whole thing up. I'm here to set the way straight, right? We talked in, in men's group Monday night uh, about the way, the truth, and the life. And, and you know, so many times we read scripture and we're kind of like, well, yeah, this makes complete sense because we've seen the whole process. This makes complete sense. Why did they lose their minds over Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? Well, rabbi, 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 I have a horrible time saying this word. Rabbinical law or the mandates of the rabbis when they established the temple, the first porch of the temple was called the way. The second porch or gate was called the truth. And the final gate or porch that leads into where the Holy of Holies was maintained behind the curtain was called the life. So by Jesus standing in front of the people that they had ministered to for years and saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it broke down the foundations of where they had been pushing people to. And what it should say to me and you is it shouldn't say that that's garbage necessarily because it's important. Some traditions and, and ornamental things that we do in and around the church are good and they're important and, and they're not bad or necessarily demonic, amen? But what I'm saying to you is we've got to get past the routine and grab hold of the power of Jesus Christ. We have to know, know, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that he is the way and the truth and the life for me. I can go to the temple and I can walk through the way. I can step into the truth, amen, and I can claim the life. But until I step into Jesus and allow him to be the way, the truth, and the life in me, it doesn't matter what I walk through. Amen? So it is, in, it is important for us to study this life of Jesus. And we're only, we're only doing it in tidbits. You know, John is surely not the, 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 the longest uh, and, and, and most wordy gospel. Amen? But, but it's one of the gospels that, that really kind of show us this tension between what was and what's now. Amen? And what forever will be. Amen? So I don't want to just say what was and what is, like we would say it in common language. I want to say what's now, because Jesus is right now, and he forever will be. Amen? So it's important for us to come to a place that we grab hold of the now, and we grab hold of the what the forever will be. And I'm not knocking any. I had amazing Sunday school teachers. That little bit about the way, the truth, and the life, I learned that when I was like 14 years old. Because I had incredible, knowledgeable, good teaching Sunday school teachers. Amen? Back in my day. So that wasn't just something that I ran across somewhere. I was taught that. 
I have since proven it, but, and you're not going to find it in the Bible, but you do find it in, in the rabbinical law and, and the ordinance that they used in establishing the temple is where you find that. And, and so the important thing for us is to understand that Jesus came to set the way straight. And he multiple times told us, amen, that there is, there is a broad way that leads to destruction, but there's a narrow way that brings you to the true gate, a narrow way that brings you to where God is. And then what's he say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm that way. I'm that narrow way. So what, so what should we be doing? We should be diving into the life of Jesus Christ. We should be diving into the things that are important to him. We should be diving into the way that he conducts himself. We should be diving into his words. Amen? And I, I'm somebody who I, I go off the deep end on word studies. Why did he say it that way? Why was it important that he said it like this? He could have said it like this, and that would have made so much more sense. But why did he say it like this? And there's a lot of times the Holy Spirit and I, man, we've sat for weeks over one verse and then just been like, Lord, I don't understand. Why did you say it like this? Why is this important? Amen? And then all of a sudden, the light bulb goes off, and I'm like, oh, I get it now. I mean, I'll tell you one, and, and some of you have heard this, when, and I'm just going to say it really quick, but when Jesus was on the shore with the disciples after he had resurrected, and he goes to Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know that I do. And he said, then feed my lambs. And then he asked twice more, and he said, feed my sheep. Amen? I, I, was, I was stuck on, do you love me more than these? I was stuck on that for years, GB. For years, I was like, why does that matter? Why didn't he just say, do you love me? Why didn't you just say, do you love me more than John? Do you love me more than, than, than Mark? Do you love me more than, than Timothy? You know, and, and because I was thinking he was referring to the disciples. But then all of a sudden, one day in the middle of nowhere, I think Sam and I were on vacation, and I was just sitting there with my Bible open, nursing my coffee in the morning and enjoying the fact I didn't have to rush out the door to a hundred different things. And I'm just sitting there, and I just come across that scripture I'm reading. And for the first time in years, after begging for understanding of that, I have this vision in my head about the ocean and the boats or the sea and the boats on it that they had all left and come to shore on and the nets and the fish and everything else like that. I'm like, I'm an idiot. Jesus wasn't asking if he loved them more than the other disciples. Jesus was asking him, do you love me more than the boats? And do you love me more than the fish? And do you love me more than the nets? Because when Jesus departed the earth, that's where Peter went back to. Peter walked away from everything Jesus had given him in those three years and he went back to fishing, not fishing of men, but he went back to the boats and to the nets and fishing. Amen? Rather than walking in the power and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? So if we're not careful, it's important that we dive into who Jesus is and what Jesus is and what Jesus says and what Jesus does. His life is our authoritative example. You've heard me say that multiple times. Why? Because he came with the authority of God. He walks and he lives in the authority of God. And he does authoritative spiritual things on earth. Amen? And in earth. Amen? Healings 
and, and the things that he does. So his example matters to us. And it has to matter to us. Because all around us, people with good intentions can get it wrong sometimes. The only person that ever got it right, 100%, was Jesus. So we're going to learn about Jesus. We're going to study about Jesus. We're going to deep dive into Jesus. And we're going to understand that his authoritative life matters to our lives so that we can step into all that he is. Because here's the reality. You have no Pentecost. You have no upper room. And you have no power or fire from heaven in your life without the example of Jesus Christ. And so that's why for us to even get to the semicolon, amen, what's a semicolon mean? But wait, there's more. One of you got that. But wait, there's more. Anyway, um, the semicolon says to us, but wait, there's more. But we never get to the more because we never really fully get to Jesus. Amen. And so we have to study. We have to study Jesus. Now, uh, I know a lot of you have been reading ahead because you understand where we're going. You know that we're working through John. So some of you are getting ready. You're getting notes. You're even telling me, I'm ready. I'm ready, Pastor. I'm ready for Sunday. I'm ready for tomorrow morning. And I think, good. I love that. I love that. I love that, the excitement of it. I love the challenge of it and, and everything else because I want you in your word. Amen? I don't want you just relying on me fully. But, but today we're going to talk about this moment with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Three people, all in very different states. You're probably thinking, well, duh, yeah, Lazarus is dead, right? And, and so for three people in very different places, all dealing with the same thing. But ultimately, what we need to see and what we need to grab hold of is where was Jesus in all of this? Last week, we shared with you his conversation with the disciples that, hey, we're going to Bethany, and the disciples freaking out, saying, no, we're not, because we almost died there. And then Thomas, at the end, rises, stepping up and saying, let us go die with him, because it's better that we go die with him than not be with him at all. Amen? And what an incredible example that was from Thomas, who a lot of times we just give a hard time as being doubting Thomas. But man, we see one of the greatest statements of faith in our, in our scriptures right there when Thomas says, you know what, I don't care. If I'm, if I'm going to die in Bethany, I'm dying with Jesus, so it's okay. I'm going. And, and what we're going to see today and, and why it was important to hit that before we dove right into Lazarus is because that is the theme of this scripture. We need to make our goal and our focus and our heart, and our mind, the kingdom of heaven. And when we don't, when we operate with this world as our focus, our happiness, which isn't ever spoken about in Scripture, our happiness being focused on this world, our comfort being focused on, on this world, Everything else that I could list here being focused on this world, when we live that way, we will ultimately be led into the broad way rather than the narrow way. Amen? And, and we're going to see a great example of that here. Thomas has already shown us, right? I'd rather go the narrow way and die with him than to go the broad way and die without him. That's what Thomas was saying to us. Amen? And now we're going to take that a step further. In, in Lazarus and his sisters. So let's look to the scriptures. 
We're going to start uh, upstairs. We're going to start at verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that they had laid in the grave, that he had laid in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Lot, a lot to break down right there alone. All right, so what I, what I want us to understand is four days was important, amen? And, and if you go back into Jewish customs, they believed, Jew, Jews believed that the spirit of a person dwelled among the tombs and dwelled among the burial place for three days before it left this earth. And they believed that a resurrection could happen within those three days. Now, their customs required them to bury fast, right? So most people were buried within 12 to 24 hours, never more than 24 hours. But they believed that another two days past that, or you know, three full days, that a person could potentially be resurrected based upon things that we had seen in the Old Testament and so forth. So because of their belief, the fourth day matters, right? Because why? Jesus said, when he talked to his disciples, what did he say? He said, this isn't unto death, but this is for the what? The glory of God, right? So what does that mean? It means he's taking every thought, every belief, every understanding we have out of the equation, right? He's saying when people walk away from that tomb, they're going to know God did a thing. They're going to know that they can't relate back to this. They can't go back to this. They're going to go. They're, they're not going to be able to go to a place that says, oh, it was just like this time or that time or that person or this person. This was God. Amen? So taking that out of the equation, because essentially what Martha and Mary are saying to Jesus when he meets with them is, why didn't you come quicker? If you'd have come quicker, you'd have fixed this. If you'd have come quicker, we would have had, we would have had the ability, based on what we know, to solve this. Right? So why didn't you come? If you'd have been here, you'd have, you'd have handled this. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. You would have healed him. Amen. And one thing we need to all understand if God heals everybody here, we don't need heaven. If God fixes everything here, what do we have to strive and work for? Amen? We would absolutely positively put our faith and put our hope and put our trust in this life. And we are repeatedly called to what? Put our hope and our faith and our trust in the kingdom of heaven. We are called to the kingdom of heaven. We are not called to this place. Amen? 
We are passing through. You've heard all of the adages. We're passing through. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. You know, all, the, all of the Christian cliches about this life. But the reality, friend, for us is we are called to a heavenly mindset. We are called to think like Jesus. We're called to copy Jesus. We're called to align our mind, our heart, and our life, actions and deeds, with Jesus Christ. Amen? If we could go to him in prayer and get everything we wanted here, there would be no reason for us to strive for more. There would be no need of faith. Amen? Other than just to come to, to Jesus like an ATM and say, give me this, heal this, do this, do that, and, and I'll praise you and give you glory for it. Amen? Jesus is looking for the day that we sit in his presence and are happy we sacrificed this world for him. He sacrificed his life for us. He's asking us to sacrifice this life for his. Amen? Do we understand that? Amen. So that's why this kingdom mindset happens. And uh, I've told a few of you who've come to me and, and said you're studied and read up and, and everything else. I've told a few of you, 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 might not, you might not fully know where we're going because with God's help and, and based upon the things studied, we're, we're going to look at this a little differently than you've probably ever looked at it before. Amen. Because in this, there were two people with a kingdom mindset there were two people without a kingdom mindset. I'm, I'm not with Thomas anymore, so we'll leave them out of this, okay? But Mary, Martha, Lazarus, Jesus, two with a kingdom mindset, two without a kingdom mindset, amen? Clearly, Jesus is one of the two with the kingdom mindset, right? That's easy, right? And the other one is pretty easy, too, is Lazarus, because where's Lazarus when all this is going on? He's in paradise, Right? He, he is present with Jesus in spirit form, right? Y'all with me? Because we got, we got to get that before we move on. He, what did Jesus say to the thief on the cross? Today, right now, right? I am, I am a God of now, right? You will be with me in paradise, so by that example, right, and we, we, we can argue soul sleeping and we can argue this and that and the other. I don't care. None of that really matters at the end of the day. But, but, and, and don't be offended by that. I'm just saying that if, if we get caught up on that and we don't step into the pure truth of this, we'll get lost in this other stuff and not really grab what's going on here, okay? So I'm not belittling that. I'm just saying there's more important things to focus on. We good? Okay? So we know from the example of the thief on the cross, in his death, he was promised he would be where? With Jesus, right? So what do I know about Lazarus in this moment based on that example? He's with Jesus in spirit form. He is in the kingdom of heaven as God has authored it for all of us to go when we die, right? We know that. So now I've, I've taken those two. Those two are clearly the, the kingdom of heaven pieces in this story. The second thing we have here are Mary and Martha and where their heart is. Amen? Martha comes to Jesus in true Martha form. We know Martha is the one who encumbers herself, the one who goes above and beyond, the one who does a lot of things and sometimes misses the main thing. You with me? So we know her to be that. So when she hears Jesus is nearby, what does she do? She gets to work, 
Amen? She gets to work. She doesn't fall at his feet. She doesn't, she, she doesn't uh, go and worship. She doesn't go and pray. She gets to work and goes to Jesus, letting Jesus know that he could have made a difference. Letting Jesus know what her heart was from the abundance of the... Amen? You want to know someone? Just sit down and be quiet and listen to them long enough. Amen? Because they reveal everything here. Right? Abundance of the mouth, the heart speaketh. Amen? And, and, and as, as someone who used to talk a lot when I was a kid, I got those report cards that said all the time, talks too much. Right? As I've gotten older, I have learned that lesson. That you know what? I grow in power and I grow in spirit and I grow in understanding when I keep this shut. Right? And, and so, you know, you've heard the stories, people all the time wondering, you know, why, why is Jay sitting in the corner being so quiet? Amen? I'm not studying anyone. What I'm really doing is reflecting on myself and how I need to be better, right? And, and so God has brought me to a place to, to where I'm, I'm still learning how to evolve and be a better person, be a better Christian, be more in tune with his spirit. Martha hadn't hit that point yet. Martha knew Jesus was here. She had some things to say to Jesus, so she went to Jesus. Amen? And blah, 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 blah. Right? Jesus, being a lover of Martha and a gentle, a gentle man, simply says to her, after her whole paragraph, right, Jesus says, your brother will rise again. I think he said it just like that, right? Because I have found Jesus to be that way. We get all worked up. We get all, we get all stressed. We want to stomp our foot, raise our eyebrows, and say what we have to say. And the godly nature of Jesus just simply says, he'll rise again. Nice, soft, calm, cool, casual. Why? Because he exists in the kingdom. He doesn't exist here. His motives are not driven by here. His desires are not driven by here. His goals are not driven by here. He is kingdom minded. The kingdom is what matters to him. How many times did he heal someone and say, my time has not yet come? Why? Because healing you was important to him on earth, but it was not the reason he came. The reason he came was a kingdom appointment to be the replacement of our sin, to be the sacrifice for our sin. And that was his goal. And when things got to be too much, here, because all of us back then, right, we were focused on what we wanted from him here, amen? And still today, we come to church and we go to prayer often focused on what we want here, right, rather than where he is. This is what Martha did. Martha came to him focused on what she wanted here and why he didn't deliver what she wanted here, and the malice and the thing. Let me tell you what. You live with God that way. If God is just a, a suggestion box to you or a request box to you and your worship and your Bible study and your prayer and your time with God is all spent in malice because you didn't get what you want, then you're not part of what you say you're part of. 
Your heart isn't what you say your heart is. Your goals, your habitation isn't what you say, amen, because you're not willing to get past yourself to step into what really is kingdom, amen? And for us to choose to be kingdom citizens, for us to truly align with Jesus, we have to understand that this has to go sometimes. What I think, what I want, what I think I need has to go sometimes for me to truly get to Jesus. Amen? That's why the upper room mattered. We've talked about that. The upper room wasn't a pretty place, right? It was a place where a lot of, a lot of tears were shed. A lot of confessions were made. A lot of forgiveness was, was bestowed between the people in the place that day so that they could truly align themselves with who Jesus was. Martha needed to get everything off of her chest, to which Jesus simply applied, he will rise again. Her response? I know that he shall rise, verse 24, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And I believe here Jesus' heart And Jesus' attention to the matter begins to wane. Because I believe, and and wane, diminish, right? It begins to diminish. I believe he tires of this conversation, amen? Because this conversation isn't edifying to him, it's not edifying to God, and it serves no purpose in the kingdom. What did Jesus say to his disciples when it all began? This is going to happen for what? The glory of God. This isn't going to happen for the glory of Martha. Right? It certainly isn't going to happen for the glory of Lazarus. We'll get to that in a minute. Amen? It's going to happen for the glory of God. Amen? And so what's taking place now in this conversation is not glorifying to God. Amen? And Martha can pout. Martha can can ignore. Martha can stomp her foot and gnash her teeth. Martha can be Martha all day long, but Jesus doesn't want it or need it. Amen. So I think Jesus throws down, I think Jesus throws down some anointed truth in what happens next to Martha. I mean, I can just see the eye roll and I can just see the attitude. Yes, Lord, I know. He'll rise again in the resurrection, right? I've dotted that I, Lord. I've crossed that T, Lord, I know. We ever been like that with God? Huh? We ever want what we want so badly that we don't even listen to the purest form of God we have in Jesus Christ? We roll our eyes and we stomp our feet and we gnash our teeth. Amen, because we've already figured it out and he needs to get on our page. Hmm? That's kind of what's going on here, isn't it? Jesus, you need to be on my page. I sent people to you and you waited. I prayed to you and you waited. I asked you and you waited. I told everybody here you were going to do a work. 
And we're now four days and it's impossible. And you decide to show up now. And you're not even, you're not even at our home. You're not even at the tomb. You're in town. I had to come to you here. Have we ever, we ever had those moments? Huh? Head shaking? Yeah, a few of us. Yeah. How should we respond to that? Amen? Because we're either going to respond to those places and we're either going to respond to those, those heartfelt moments. I'm not taking the emotion away from you. Amen? Those, those, play, those times and places that hurt. Amen? We're, we're going to be in those times and places where we hurt and we think God should have done something different than what we're dealing with. Amen? And, and, and we kind of think we had it figured out for him and he didn't do what we wanted. He didn't do what we figured out. And we're kind of like, why, God? I don't understand. What did he say in the beginning? For his glory. Right? And there are a lot of you who've been through a lot of stuff. Amen? Recently, in the past. Amen? Soon to come. Amen? And at one point or another, you're probably going to hear me say, you have to remember that he works all things for good. Do you love him? Amen? Where are we now? We're on the shore. We're on the shore. There's a boat in the water. There's a net on the, on the sand. Amen? And in those times when I know your heart's crushed, I'm going to say, do you love him more than all this? Do you really love him? Then he promised you. He, not me, he promised you. He would work all this for your good. There are times all of us have to trust him beyond ourselves. There are times we all have to trust him beyond want and beyond logic. Amen. I've shared with you that, that, that when God allowed for us, for Sam to quit work and be home with our, with our boys when they were first born, it was a none of this lines up on paper moment, God. Right? And he said, do it anyway. And then God delivered. He can be a 12th hour God sometimes. Amen? And he can also be a no God sometimes. No, I've got something better. You're just going to have to trust me through the pain. You're going to have to trust me through the darkness. You're going to have to trust me through what you don't understand. Amen? Because I see the fullness of the kingdom. I see everything that God has authored for you. I see tomorrow. I see next week. I see next year. I see 10 years from now. Why? Because I am in the kingdom and I am aligned with God. And I am asking you to align with me so I can take you to what God has for you. Right? And that's what ultimately what Jesus is getting ready to say to Martha. <clears throat> Verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. Right? I, I don't believe this is a, I don't believe this is a oh, kind of moment. Right? What just happened? Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And, and Martha responds to him and says, I know, Lord, he will rise in the resurrection. I think this is Jesus drawing a line. I think this is a very matter-of-fact Jesus. 
And he says, I am the resurrection. Because you see, she just stepped across that line. She just challenged his glory. She just challenged his ability to work all things to good. She just challenged her own level of faith in the glory and in the power and in the promise that he has brought. Amen? And when we choose not to align with him, we're making the same challenge, friends. Amen? And so what does Jesus do? He doesn't patty cake her. Oh, I know your, your heart's hurting, Martha, and blah, 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 blah. Because, you know, sometimes that's what we really want. Sometimes we want to be babied. Amen? Jesus ain't in the mood to baby here. Why? Because he's on glorified God mission here. Amen? And nothing's going to get in the way of that. So what does he say? He backs Martha up. Amen? And I don't mean physically necessarily, so don't anybody watching out there that this gets shared wherever or, or whatever. Say, oh, that Jay Mace is a, is, a, is a misogynist and a bully and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not. And there are plenty of women in this place that will, will, will back me up on that. I don't get a single female amen out of that? Wow! All right. Jesus says, I am the resurrection, right? There's no, there's no distant resurrection. There's no, there's no other resurrection. There's no, there's no mystery. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. What is he saying? He says, regardless, he is saying to her, regardless of what I'm getting ready to do for the glory of God, you cannot lose sight that I am the, the resurrection and I am the life. You can't miss it. You can't ignore it. You can't lose sight of that. You cannot allow yourself to be a get-what-I-want Christian or I don't believe. I am the resurrection. And I am the life. And whosoever liveth. And believeth. Liveth. Did you catch what he said there? Whosoever liveth. Who's living right now? Not Lazarus. We're not talking about Lazarus. Who's Jesus talking about? Jesus is talking about Martha. He's talking to Martha. And he's talking about her heart and her mind. Whosoever liveth. You, Martha, and believeth in me, not you, Martha, shall never die. Believe this. He was addressing her physical and mental condition because she was not in a place of belief. She was not in a place of power. She was not in a place of faith. And he was saying to her, Lazarus is doing pretty good right now. Matter of fact, Lazarus is doing real good right now. To be completely honest with you, I'm at the point of tears because I'm getting ready to separate myself from Lazarus. Again. Amen. He believes, Martha. He believes. He's right where he wants to be. 
Are you? Are you? Or do you need me to give you some earthly stuff? And do you need me to, to, to play to your, your needs and your emotions and everything else so you feel good again? Right? I'm not being mean here, but I really believe Jesus was in a place of, dude, Martha, you're so far removed from me right now. You're so far removed from me right now. And I need you to come back to where I am. I need you to align with where I am because trust me, if you believe in the resurrection at the end, you will know that I'm standing here before you as the resurrection and Lazarus is just fine. Friend, listen, if we have faith and hope in this life only, what does the Bible tell us? You are most miserable. You are most miserable. If my hope and my faith and, and, and my happiness and, and forget happiness, if my joy is caught up in this life only, I'm miserable. You're miserable. We're all miserable. Amen. I sometimes think that's why Jesus ran away to the mountains, was to get away from all the miserable. Amen. All the crying and all the whining and all the, the needs. Amen. You say, why was that so hard for him? And he loved people and he cared about people. Yeah, yeah, but he also got really frustrated when they didn't grasp who and what he was. He put Martha back across that line and said, whoa, I am the resurrection. Amen? I am the resurrection. And I am the life. And if you're living and you believe in me, then you have that life and you have that hope. And you have that power and you have that wonder. Friends, listen, we, we, can't, we can't, can't patty cake our way through this thing. Amen. We either got it or we don't. Amen. And we need to, we need to grab hold of it because there's going to be dark days. I don't care how close we are. It rains on the just and the unjust. I don't care how close we are to the cross. I don't care how aligned we are with Jesus. And honestly, the more aligned we are with Jesus and the more the, the enemy begins to see that power promised us welling up inside of us, guess what he's going to do? He's going to try to destroy you. Amen? Because as long as you're moralistic and as long as you're dotting I's and, and crossing T's from a fleshly perspective, you're not of concern to him. But when you step into spiritual power and when you step into the glory of the Father, when you allow the fullness of the resurrection to take hold of your life, amen, the enemy trembles because he knows that he cannot and will not ever defeat you. That's why you get attacked. That's why everything built here can demolish and go away. Is because Satan knows that if I leave you in good footing, you're going to defeat me every single time we go to battle against each other. So I'm going to try to hurt you. I'm going to try to destroy you. I'm going to try to distract you. Amen. Sometimes he doesn't need to take your power away. He just needs to get your mind on other things. Amen. You see, those of us that are living, amen, 
We should, we should respond to him differently than Martha did. Because we should be seeking and we should be pursuing what it is he knows God has planned for us ahead. We should, we should take, pray. don't challenge, you don't have to necessarily challenge him in his promise, but praise him for his promise. Praise him and exalt him for his promise. God, this hurts right now. God, this isn't what I thought you would do right now, but you said it would be this. You said you would bring me to good. You said you would bring me hope. You said you would fill me with joy, and I praise you for it. I might not feel it today. I might not feel it tonight, but I know it's promised, and I praise you. I exalt you because you are a God of life and resurrection, so I don't stand here of my power today. Oh, but I walk in the glory of the Lord knowing that my joy comes in the morning with you, God. With you. Amen. Watch out, I might preach this morning. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God which should come into the world. And when she had so said, did you notice the transition? Amen. When she took a step back, she had a moment and she's like, whoa. I just realized who I'm talking to. I just realized who I'm talking to. Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And she walked away. And called her, her sister Mary, secretly saying, The Master has come and calleth for thee. And as soon as Mary heard, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. Then the Jews saw, when the Jews that were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, she rose up hastily and went out following her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? What was the difference between how Mary responded and Martha? They said the same words. They said the same words, but what was the difference? Martha was stomping her foot a little bit, right? What did Mary do? She fell at his feet. She fell at his feet, and she worshiped him. Amen? And I've already kind of hit that, but amen, that's, that's where pain should take us. Is to the feet of Jesus. That's where trouble should take us, is the feet of Jesus. That's where confusion should take us and chaos should take us, is to the feet of Jesus. Amen. That even when our heart doesn't understand and even when it hurts, and it will sometimes, that we should come to him in a state of worship and not in a state of, of finger-pointing belligerence. Amen. Because we didn't get our way. Amen? There's a huge difference in that level of spiritual maturity. Amen? She came and she fell at his feet. 
And she submitted to his authority. God, I didn't get what I want. Amen? Operating, operating in this life. Operating in this mindset. Amen? I didn't get what I want. And I don't understand it. Because I know you could have made a difference. But I'm going to worship you anyway. Amen? The difference... The difference is she came and she acknowledged his authority. She still wanted what she wanted. Amen. She still wasn't kingdom minded. Amen. Because she still wanted what she wanted, but she didn't have to be backed up to declare his glory like Martha did. She declared his glory from the beginning, but still sought understanding and confusion because she thought he would do something different. Amen. And we see Jesus backed Martha up. How does he respond to Mary? In the glory of God, which is what he said he came to do in the beginning. Amen? In the glory of God, he responded and simply said, where have you laid him? Amen? God, Jesus wants to respond to our life, to our circumstances, and to our situations from the glory of God. Right? Understand that. He's not our enemy. When we don't get what we want, amen, it's, it's not time to pout. It's time to seek. Okay, you, you didn't hear me. When we don't get what we want, it's not time for us to pout. It's time for us to seek. Amen? Why? Because Jesus is going to operate from the glory of God. And if we're, not, if we're not feeling that glory, if we're not getting the goosebumps, if we're, not, if we're not getting the edification that we need, maybe it's a time for us to realize that we're not really understanding or operating at the, at the glory of God level. And, and so we need to draw closer. We need to draw closer. And I think that's the difference between Mary and Martha. Amen. Martha wanted what she wanted. Mary was willing to submit and say, I didn't get what I want, but I still worship you. But help me understand what I didn't, why I didn't get what I didn't want or what I wanted. Amen. Help me figure that out. Help me understanding that because I thought you would do it, Lord. And so Jesus says, take me to him. Where did you lay him? Because now we're getting somewhere. You're seeking answers. You're not telling me what I should have done. You're seeking answers. And this I will give you. So where have you laid him? And he goes to the tomb. Oh, and, and that, verse 35. Let me now skip that. And the Lord said on, and they said unto the Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which have opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? What are, what are they saying? This is the crowd now. What are they saying? They're kind of like Martha. Well, he healed everybody else. Why couldn't, he have, why couldn't he have fixed Lazarus? Amen. You see, when we're kingdom minded and we get bad news, we're going to take the next step knowing Jesus has us. When we're, when, we're, when we're in the heart of our spirit and he resides with us in the heart of our spirit, bad news hurts, bad news can bring tears, amen, 
But we know it's going to work for good. We know it. Amen? There have been times in my life, as I'm sure there have been times in your life, where I don't get it and I don't understand. But instead of having a pout fit with God, I turn and I look at him and I say, I know you're going to work it for my good. Because I'm aligning myself with you. You're getting ready to teach me something. You're getting ready to show me something. You're getting ready to elevate me through this pain and through this difficulty. You're getting ready to bring me closer to you. And I don't like it, but I want it. And I will embrace you through it. Because that's kingdom-minded. That's being kingdom. That's saying that whatever happens here is not worth me losing sight of you. And so I will keep walking and I will keep stepping and I will keep finding myself in your glory. Amen. In your glory. Amen. Jesus weeps because this sweet time he's having with Lazarus in paradise is about to end. You say, now can you scripturally prove that, Jane? No, I really can't. Amen. But when I stop and I think of all of the reasons why Jesus could have wept here, Amen. The only thing I can really truly come up with that, that kind of answers that question is he knows he's going to have to do something to Lazarus that Lazarus doesn't deserve. Lazarus deserved paradise. Lazarus deserved the resurrection and life. Knowing that when our life... How did, how did Paul put this? Paul said, to live is Christ. Paul said to live is to be aligned with Jesus. To live is to think like him, walk like him. And when I can't do that, trust him for the next step. Amen. What did I share with you last week about not quitting? Amen. And, and moving past the pain and moving past the hurt and moving past the things that we don't understand. Amen. It's when we take steps that are too big for us. When we take steps that are beyond our power and beyond our mental. When we step into those places with trust and faith in God, we are what? We are now working in His glory. We are now walking in His glory. We are now receiving our full dispensation of the Spirit of God. Why? Because we're now doing something that in my flesh I couldn't do. Amen? And that's being kingdom-minded. And so we step into that place that is beyond us, that is beyond our ability and beyond our comprehension. We step into that place Thomas stood up and says, I, I'll, I'll take that. I'll step into a place where I'm not in control, but he is. And if it means my death, okay. Amen? Lazarus was, when, was in his presence receiving his just and full reward, and Jesus was going to have to say, you got to go back. you got to go back because I need to glorify the Father. I need to show everyone that they're not in control. And I need to show everyone that I am. So I have to send you back. Amen. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Your take might be different. You might think he cried because of the unbelief. You might think that he, he cried because of all of the, the different things. And that's okay. That's okay. I don't think that's, that's going to differ our salvation a whole lot. Amen. But I believe that. So Jesus then, verse 39, Jesus says, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, stomps her foot again. 
saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. What is she saying? She's saying, Lord, this is beyond you. She still didn't get it. This is beyond you. I know I, know I asked for this. I know I said this is what I wanted you to do, but Lord, it's beyond your power now. It's been four days. Understand that light and power exists in his hand. And if we are going to find that place where life and power exist in our hand, we have to step into the glory of God. Martha was not in a mindset to do that. Martha was not in a place where she believed on that level. And so she's now dictating to Jesus what's possible and what's not. How many times have we done that? Lord, you can't fix my marriage. Lord, you can't, you can't fix my job situation. Lord, you can't help me meet my bills. Lord, you can't help me get rid of this addiction. Lord, you can't help me heal my mind. This is beyond your power, God. Amen. Listen to me. We've got a world. We've got a world that lives in fear and operates in anxiety and, and has all level of issues in this life simply because they don't believe that God's power is able to take them the next step. They don't believe that his protection is able to deliver them from the very hands of evil like he promised that he would. Paul said it like this, to live is Christ, to live is to be aligned with him, and death is gain. Death is gain. Why? Because I'm going to be as intimate with him as I've always dreamed. I'm going to be as intimate with him as I've always dreamed. Because today I'll be in paradise. Amen? Thomas got a glimpse of that. And now we're at the place where Martha's getting her cake but refuses to eat it too. Because she doesn't comprehend the power in the hand of Jesus. He's been dead four days. Why is that significant? Because they didn't think it was possible after three, right? So we're seeing the full power and glory of God manifest in Jesus Christ in this moment. Verse 40, Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, you should see what? The glory of God. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? You see, if Jesus does what we want, this is what it really all comes down to. If Jesus does what we want, how we want it, then we start thinking of him at what level? Our level. If he does what we want and how we want it, then we start thinking of him and believing on him at our level. 
Sometimes he wants to take us beyond ourselves so that he can show us that he's way more than we think he is. That he exudes and walks in and is trying to get us into the way, the truth, and into the presence of God, the Holy of Holies. He is wanting to step us into the glory of God, regardless of what's happening in our life. The enemy is trying to keep that from happening. Through pain, through destruction, through chaos, through distraction, whatever it takes to get your eyes off the glory and to keep you from walking in that glory and be like, oh, it's... It's a whole lot more comfortable here, Lord. I'm just going to hang out at the gate. Amen. Some of us have the way Christianity instead of the life Christianity. Amen. Or sometimes we step into the truth and then we got to then we got to back back up a little bit cuz it's more comfortable here. Amen. You see Jesus operates in the full glory and the full life. What did he say to Martha? you would have, right, the resurrection and the life because I can bring it to you. And I'm inviting you into it. I'm wanting you to think about it. I'm wanting you to, to be consumed by it. I'm wanting you to pursue it. And I want it to be more than what you've already given thought to. Amen? Because if you can give thought to it, it ain't high enough. It ain't high enough. Amen. I want it to be of the glory of the Father. Take you away the stone. And we're going to jump down to, to verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes. Amen. Jesus knew what God was getting ready to do. And so what did he say? Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it. Let me read that again. But because of the people that stand by, I said it, that they believe that thou hast sent me. Amen. I've said this with a woman of issue of blood. I'll say this with Lazarus. He could have blinked his eyes and raised him out of that tomb. He could have winked at the stone and rolled it away himself. Amen? But sometimes he does the impossible right in front of us because he wants us to operate in the glory of God, the full glory of God and not something less. So he chooses the impossible to prove it to us. Amen? And this is one of those times, and this is one of those moments. Amen? And if we were to pray like this, verse 42, And I knew that thou hearest me always. Lord, heal this, heal this problem I've got. Make a difference in this place. Do the impossible here. Because I know you hear me. Because you always hear me. And I worship you. 
Amen? Then we would pray and walk and live with kingdom thinking. But instead, I'm going to do the impossible for everybody to see so they might believe. So they might believe. Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Do you need loosed today? Some of you are thinking, oh, I need loose from my job, preacher. Oh, I, I need loose from this person. My next door neighbor, that's Satan himself, right? I need loose from this. I need loose from that. Any of you need loose from yourself? Any of you need loose from your way of thinking? Any of you need loosed from something that you have dictated that God bless? when you know he wouldn't. Amen. You see, I'm not attacking you this morning, but what I want you to understand and what I want you to get is you got to quit thinking like that. And you got to quit responding to God like that. And you've got to come to his feet and accept who he is. And walk in his glory. Imagine. Imagine the glory and imagine the hope and imagine the wonder of our Christian life. When we, when we step into the unknown and we relish it and we walk in it and we don't allow the distractions and the fiery darts of Satan to hit us. Amen. That scripture talks about that even the fiery darts of Satan would fall off of us. Amen. And I've been in those places. I've had to go back to those places a few times because of my own weakness. But I've been in those places where it seemed like everything Satan threw at me just bounced off and I just walked through full of glory and in the triumph of the Lord. And that's where he wants us to live, friends. That's where he wants every single one of us to live. Amen? And I'm not one of those pastors. I hope you know it by now. I'm not one of those pastors that wants to dictate to you. Amen? Because I want you walking and living in the full glory. Amen? I want us together in the fire and in the power of his might. Amen? This is not one of those me-driven churches. Amen? If you found yourself here today or online by accident or months from now you're watching one of these videos, amen, this is not a me-driven place. It is a he-driven place. Amen? Because we are focused on the fullness of his glory, and we want everybody to walk in it. We want everybody to walk in it. Amen? And then people might be dragging their cots in the street for us so that if our shadow fell upon them, people would stand up healed. Amen? Some of you just said in your spirit, that's crazy. Amen? Quit thinking like Martha. Quit thinking like Martha. 
Amen. If he had the glory and the power to do it then, he's got the power and the glory to do it in us. In me. In you. In us. He has the power today. He has the power to do it today. And you're invited to it. Amen. So be loosed. Be loosed. Amen. Strip the wrappings off. Strip the fear. Strip the anxiety. Strip the pain. Strip the the crap off of your life. And be let go into a world that needs changed and needs delivered. And we're the catalyst. We're the catalyst. So be loosed and let go. Let's stand and sing.